One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Orlando Crowcroft, world editor at IB Times UK. You're listening to In the Field, our weekly podcast looking at the global stories that matter. This week, I am pleased to say that we have Doug Weed on the line from the US. His new book, Game of Thorns, the inside story of Hillary Clinton's failed campaign and Donald Trump's winning strategy. Doug, great, great to have you with us. Hey, thank you, Orlando. This is great for me. Um, now, uh, as, I was, as we were saying, actually, before we started, uh, started we, we were talking about how you're, you've been doing a lot of publicity around this book. It's been very, uh, well, very timely. Um, I'd be fascinated to know, I mean, did you start writing it before you knew that Trump was going to, you know, was looking like he might win? Yes, I did. And uh, as I was writing it, everybody assumed Hillary would win. So oh, wow. <laughs> I thought, whoa, <laughs> some of the things I was writing and discovering and being told by people inside Hillary's camp and from Trump Tower, uh, some of it uh, would have been rather controversial in a Hillary Clinton presidency. So my wife was <laughs> was a little nervous. Yeah, I bet, because you don't want to put in all that work and then for Hillary to win. And the, what would the book have been called then, I wonder? Well, the book would have been called, um, it would have been called First Man, Bill Clinton in Hillary's White House. Right, interesting. And it would have been all about all about uh, the the gender reversal and what it would mean for a, a, a new first man. Well, I suppose before we get into all those really fascinating issues, and, and your book is very much about the Clintons um, as well as about Trump. Could you just for, for our listeners who haven't read the book or perhaps haven't even heard of it, could you give them a quick idea about what your kind of central argument is? Yeah, I don't know that there's a central argument as much as there's a story. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the most uh, interesting and controversial uh, political story in, in American history, for sure. And it's just how, how it unfolded and how it could happen. I mean, she outstaffed him five to one. She outspent him eight to one, if you count the soft money. She had academia, and she had Hollywood, she had 240 newspaper endorsements, she had 19, she had corporate America, she had the international global economy, she had the banks, she had 960,000 foot soldiers on the ground to mm. turn out the vote, which was a big improvement over Barack Obama's spectacular ground game of four years previous. So... Uh, Donald Trump just represented a, a giant uh, 
uh, vote against uh, what many in America felt was corruption. They wanted someone to turn over the tables. I sense that um, a lot of us were taken by surprise. And I mean by us, I mean people in the media particularly. Um, but I guess that you weren't really. I mean, you th- I get the impression that you kind of thought from, from quite early on that this would be a possibility. Well, uh, I had been a paid staffer. I'm an old guy, Orlando. <laughs> I've been a paid staffer on 10 presidential campaigns, and I've seen some of the demographics. And the demographics that drive the media narrative and what uh, academia wants and what drives the reality of the American voter can sometimes be very different. Uh, for example, 1% of the American population is Muslim, and no one would dare uh, put out a political YouTube promoting people to vote using uh, the name Muhammad as a curse word, uh, and uh, yet that's exactly what uh, Clinton supporters did to the evangelical Christian vote. They got a bunch of celebrities together on November 4th, four days before the election, and uh, using uh, Christian names with profanity and the F word, they urged uh, undecided voters to get out and vote for Hillary. Uh, so I saw that some of the demographics weren't, weren't adding up. 70% of the country, for example, are Christian. And Barack Obama was nervous about that. He called the Brooklyn headquarters and said, you're losing the evangelical vote. And their response was, who cares? Well, Mm. the evangelical vote was 26. White evangelical vote was 26 percent of the electorate. African-Americans are 12.9 percent of the electorate. So you you get the idea. They were leaving a lot on the table. And Bill Clinton, since that, he was concerned with the Catholic vote that he felt uh, Hillary was leaving on the table. So it wasn't a complete surprise, but <laughs> it was still, it was a shocker. It's kind of like a 90-year-old father dying. <laughs> you you kind of know it could happen, but you're still surprised when it does. It's, it's an interesting bit of your book, actually, when Bill Clinton, when you, you mentioned that Bill Clinton was really worried about this lack of Christian support for, for Hillary and, and maybe tried to urge her to kind of step that up, but then that didn't happen. Yeah, he got so mad after one phone call, he took his, <laughs> took his cell phone and he tossed it off the roof of his presidential pad at the library, presidential library in Little Rock, Arkansas. He, he threw it towards the Arkansas River, didn't quite make it, but <laughs> he was upset because there were these leaked emails. And, you know, today we're hearing it in the news that Russia tried to manipulate the, the uh, vote. But uh, what was pertinent to Catholic voters was what was in those leaked emails. And the leaked emails showed that after the Clintons came to power, there was a plan to co-opt the Catholic Church and to introduce new doctrines. They referred to it as a Catholic spring. And these new doctrines would change what Catholics believed about uh, some of the social issues in American politics. And that was so outrageous. Bill Clinton was saying, you got to get ahead of that. you got to make public statements. No, we're not going to do this and deny it and denounce it. And But her concern and the campaign was, we're just going to call more attention to it. If we do that, it's better to leave it alone. So those emails, the, the national media was sympathetic to Mrs. Clinton, wanted her to win. They didn't show these stories, but the emails were passed 
uh, hand-to-hand to America's bishops and Catholic leaders, and it was deeply, deeply troubling. And Bill Clinton could see that it was leading to a loss of Union white Catholic voters in those seven Rust Belt states. So there's been there's been an argument that that, that kind of Trump didn't win the election as much as Hillary lost it. Well, I think that's part of it. Uh, definitely, definitely is part of it, and I think that that's what a lot of people believe. Barack Obama certainly believes that. And after the election was over, he he made the statement <laughs> was quite controversial that he could have won it if he was running mm-hmm. against Trump. He could have won it. But there are many people who believe that no one else could have beaten Hillary except Donald Trump, that Jeb Bush would have been crushed, that any other Republican would have been crushed, because what turned on the voter to Trump was this uh, unpredictable, the rough edges, the the he, he was going to he was the class clown. They didn't like everything he said about some of the other kids in the room, but they loved the fact that he was disrupting the class. They felt that America was going the way of Brazil or the Congo, that it was totally corrupt from the top down, that uh, some companies got money from the Federal Reserve, others didn't. Some benefited from import-export, others didn't. Some had to keep environmental regulations, others were exempted. That there was just widespread corruption uh, fueled by money, and the end result was the poor were getting poorer and the rich were getting richer by everybody's standards. University of California, Berkeley study, it didn't matter. It was very clear whether you're on the left or you're on the right. Free enterprise was dead in America. Corruption was in and the poor were getting screwed. So there was a real sense of outrage among some people who uh, on the left and on the right, and they wanted a change. And so Donald Trump's rough edges were quaintly reassuring to many voters that uh, this guy's going to turn the tables over despite the fact that he is a billionaire i mean you know what i mean he's an unlikely champion for the american poor yeah it's very true and uh, yet that was also part of the charm i mean after he won the election for example here came boeing uh this great corporation saying okay give us our 10 billion dollars and trump says wait a minute <laughs> sorry pal you come in with a good bid, and if it's on time and it, and it beats it, everybody else will talk about it. But Boeing had given millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation. All of her executives had lined up to, to give the maximum amount in donations to the Clinton presidential campaign. They had given two. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Million dollars to Clinton when she was Secretary of State for the World's Fair in China. They'd given money uh, for the Olympics that she was uh, when she was Secretary of State. So they expected her to win, and they expected their the few millions of dollars they'd invested in her to come back into billions of dollars for them. Mm. But she didn't win. So there was uh, a sense among some that the fact that he, he, he didn't need their money, the fact that he was independently wealthy, made him even more unpredictable to, uh, to the insiders. What do you think about the argument that Hillary was kind of sunk by this fake news? You know, these stories about her being on death's door and, you know, being shared by kind of sites like Infowars and Alex Jones and conspiracy theorists and stuff like this. And what do you think the role of all that was in the election? Well, I think it could have been diminished, uh, but uh, unfortunately, it was fed by uh, mistakes within the campaigns. If, if Hillary had had more transparency, the, the one you just mentioned, her health is a very good example, and it was so frustrating that <laughs> David, David Axelrod had that great quote. I can't, can't remember it right now. He said something to the effect that antibiotics can cure pneumonia, but, but what, can, what can cure a campaign that has a penchant for secrecy? Mm. So you had that misstep where... Uh, no, nothing's wrong. And then the video of her almost collapsing. Well, she has uh, contagious pneumonia. And then there's the story where she went to her granddaughter's house and played with her granddaughter. And she comes out and is presented a bouquet from another little child. Why is she doing that if she's got pneumonia? Well, it's not contagious pneumonia. We've changed our mind about that. It's not contagious at all. And then the story comes out that three of her staffers <laughs> have pneumonia, too. Yeah. So it was a comedy of errors. So Yes, you can blame the fake media, but there was a little responsibility also on the Clinton side to feed those conspiracies with uh, attempts to avoid straight stories. Yeah. Your background has been in the Republican side of the party, more more the right wing of American politics. Am I right? 
Yes, you're absolutely right. And I, <laughs> I, I defiantly hold to that. I suppose I'm just a rebel by nature. But when I go to history conferences, uh, I'm, I'm the only person... <laughs> I'm the only person there that isn't to the left of Karl Marx, so uh, I guess I cling to that as as a, a identity or to try to even the scales a little bit from uh, in the arguments that are I participate in. But so let me ask you, as someone who is of, who is of the right and in a kind of Republican background, do you think that Trump is going to be a good Republican president, or do you think it was just opportunistic, really, from the right, in that they got this guy that could beat Hillary? Yeah, I tend to think that the whole right-left thing has really shifted from uh, <laughs> from the from those days when you uh, defined uh, the left or right bank of the scene, and uh, that it, that evolved into this uh, left-right theater in America, conservative liberal. I think it's more in and out, insider outsider, and that um, I see people supposedly on the right uh, making a a fortune uh, with the rules, no matter who wins, left or right. The good example of that is in the writing of the book, A Game of Thorns. You'll notice that the exact same donors of Hillary Clinton are the exact same major donors of Jeb Bush. They're identical. And Bush outspent Trump eight to one in the Republican primary, uh, by all standards, he should have won, mm. but he didn't. And there's a real resentment towards insiders. Uh, there's a fear that that supply and demand is gone, free enterprise is gone. It's all about gaming the system. And if you don't have good lawyers and a good lobby, you can't survive. And I think it's why the stock market's boomed. I think <clears throat> I describe it as yelling envy. And that is, uh, there's a certain amount of feeling among some of the big companies that they aren't gaming the system as good as their neighbor is gaming the system, and they yearn to get back to free markets where they can compete with their products. And I think that's part of the excitement right now in on Wall Street about Donald Trump. What do you think of him? He's been in power now for two months uh, since the inauguration. What do you think of what he's done so far? Because everyone else has kind of sees it as quite chaotic and almost kind of dangerous. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's not a politician, and I think those rough edges are reassuring to his base. Actually, that he's not a politician, uh, and I don't. I, I think the the news media, the unfairness of some in the mainstream media, uh, it, it doesn't help their cause. For example, they run stories now. They're at nightly, they're running stories, day five, day six, he hasn't had a press conference, day six. Well, Hillary Clinton went 300 days between press conferences when she was running for president of the United States. So it's not entirely fair. <laughs> and and then, then there's the story, well, he's, the guy's crazy. He accuses his predecessor of uh, wiretapping him. Well, Hillary Clinton accused her predecessor, George H.W. Bush, who had been director of the CIA. She was convinced that the White House was bugged. She had the Secret Service do a sweep uh, when Bill Clinton became president. She was first lady. She wasn't satisfied with that. She had the FBI do a sweep and wasn't satisfied with that, set up her own 
what what was called White House Security Office and uh, loaded it with and staffed it with personnel from the political campaign. They uh, they uh, uh, got a hold of the files of their political enemies. That became a big scandal. It was called Filegate. It was the subject of a congressional investigation. So the the media doesn't really. Uh, uh, balance things out. It, 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 on one day, they say this guy's paranoid because he thinks he's being wiretapped. Two days later, they tell us that the CIA is looking at all of us through our Samsung television sets. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe it's very appropriate for him to bring up the subject of who's being listened to when. Uh, it might be a good discussion. So his supporters uh, like him, and they, the rough edges are reassuring. Uh, but will that get old? Uh, it sure may. It sure may. And what about the uh, the, the aspect I'd have to ask you about would be the, the travel ban. I mean, it's got a lot of publicity here. And you've got a lot of Americans feeling very frightened by this new Trump's America. I mean, do you share that those kind of concerns? Well, as I see it, the ban uh, was uh, on countries that uh, for 90 days on countries uh, that uh, w- could not demonstrate they could vet their own people. So, it, it, you know, there was no ban on Indonesia, which is the largest Muslim population in the world, and no ban on India, uh, with a huge uh, Islamic population greater than all seven nations combined, no ban on Pakistan hmm. with the same. So I don't see it as a Muslim ban personally as much as uh, inefficient bureaucracies in some countries that have broken down. Their bureaucracies have broken down. They can't vet their people. And 90 days seems reasonable to me, uh, regardless of who their religion was. That, that's my take on it. Uh, mm. I, I know that I can be wrong, and I'm open to hearing other opinions. I have many, many Muslim friends that I dearly love. So for me, it's certainly not about uh, religion. Mm. And I guess, so, so last question, in terms of the book, what, what would you kind of hope that people take away from it well, the great—it's a great story. It's—it's uh, uh, it's not written as uh, philosophically. Uh, you know, I had to, more sources inside Hillary Clinton's camp than I did from Trump Tower, and these stories—the—the the tears, uh, the sadness, the joy—the some are very disturbing stories. The collusion between the Clintons and Bushes, briefly, they're just so many dynamics that you can't find on YouTube and you can't see on television uh, that are in the book. As, as they say, the book is better than the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, there's a lot in it, uh, and it is one of the great stories of our lifetime. Cool. Well, thanks so much for your time. Good luck with the book launch, and um, yeah, I hope we speak again soon. Thank you, Orlando. Appreciate it very much. Take care. So that's it from In the Field this week. You can check out some of our articles on Donald Trump's first two months in office on our website, and we've embedded rich links if you're listening on Acast. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. Thanks, and see you next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.